Welcome to another exciting episode of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. And I came in hot on that intro because I am excited. Today, we'll explore the unique challenges faced by defense manufacturers in navigating the strict regulations and requirements while ensuring top-notch quality control throughout the production process. Our resident expert is back to share practical solutions and real-world strategies for successfully maintaining the highest standards and certifications in defense manufacturing. Join us as we uncover the key elements that make up a robust compliance management system and learn how to effectively address quality assurance challenges in this ever-evolving sector. Get ready for an insightful discussion that sheds light on the essential practices that keep the defense industry at the forefront of innovation and security. Play that sweet, sweet intro music. We're joined once again by that aforementioned expert, Mike Frieder, president of On Call Compliance Solutions and a CMMC certified professional assessor. Thanks for joining us again, Mike. Hey, always a pleasure, Roman. So, Mike, today we're jumping into quality assurance and compliance challenges. Now, on-call specifies in compliance challenges, so this should be a good one for us today. And we're we're talking about those challenges in the in defense manufacturing, maintaining quality, compliance, and agility in the world of defense. So, with that being said, how do you maintain a delicate balance between meeting strict quality standards and keeping up with production timelines in in the defense manufacturing industry? Boy, that's a great, great question. Um, and you know, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, free. I will freely tell you that I am not um, a quality manager from uh, with a manufacturing background. Um, but we certainly work with a lot of quality managers. And uh, you know, I think that a lot of them use advanced ERP systems uh, that allow them to detect areas where they're just simply not as efficient as they could be. Um, and of course, you know, that brings into question, you know, compliance and ERP systems, and are we putting CUI into our ERP systems and things like that? Uh, and I think that that's something that really has to be strongly considered as well. Um, compliance and manufacturing go hand in hand. And obviously these guys are already used to the quality control issues. Uh, and they may not just, they may not be uh, familiar with the concept of um, having to deal with compliance on top of that. And so I think that's uh, something that's very important. But yeah, ultimately, boy, if you're not using an ERP system, if you're a really small operation, um, I, you know, you want to automate as much of the process as possible. But I'll tell you what's even more important than automation is you want to be able to trust but verify the work that these people are doing out on the floor and what's being produced. Because without that, it's tough. Uh, it's a tough, tough argument. Absolutely. In the face of many compliance regulations and supply chain intricacies, businesses must also meet certain quality standards to fulfill their contracts. What are some of the most challenging compliance requirements that defense manufacturers face, and how do you ensure seamless integration of, of these in, into your processes? Yeah, so this is a, a much better, um, kind of more on-topic question in terms of compliance, because Generally speaking, there's sort of an old adage, which is the more secure you get, the less convenient you get. And of course, manufacturing is all about efficiency. So throwing a bunch of security barriers in front of the people on the on the production floor um, is generally frowned upon and really not liked uh, by production managers and owners and things like that. Um, we have found several really good. So number one, biggest challenge, I think, is multi-factor authentication. 
uh, in terms of, of like what people actually see, touch and feel. Um, multi-factor authentication is a huge burden. It is an extra thing you have to do. A lot of our manufacturing clients have no cell phones on the floor kind of rules. They just simply have barred cell phones from being present uh, on the production floor. Um, they're using the idea that they don't want extra cameras around photographing what's going on as the basis for it. But nonetheless, uh, either way you cut it, one way to deal with that is no, no personal cell phones uh, on the floor. Second thing is, um, you know, again, I think when it comes to multi-factor authentication, you've got this extra time that it takes to sign into a machine. Now you got to punch in a password, you got to break out your cell phone or some kind of a device with a, with a six-digit code, punch that in and go. And so the, the real danger zone there is that um, it just cuts out productivity and efficiency. And so how do you deal with that? There's some really, really great products on the market. I think Windows Hello, if it will work in your environment, is one good option. Um, and you just basically use face ID or a fingerprint. They walk up to the machine, they face ID or fingerprint, the machine pops open. It's great. Uh, to get true multi-factor authentication, there's some argument that you need to be putting in a four-digit PIN, but your face plus a four-digit PIN is actually shorter than a password. And so I think you accomplish multi-factor authentication uh, and you you uh, you know accomplish an efficiency at the same time. So that's good. Uh, another element of this is uh, there are some really, really slick solutions out there. And I'll just kind of call out uh, Gatekeeper as one of them. Gatekeeper essentially assigns everybody an RFID token and it doesn't sign you out of Windows. It just locks the machine's screen. But then when you bring your RFID token, whether it be like a keychain or a necklace or whatever, near the machine, it automatically detects it and pops it open. And there's some software on the back end that integrates with Active Directory that tells you who the person is, what machine they signed into, what the time was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that's a huge one. Uh, I, I'm such a big fan in manufacturing environments of the gatekeeper um, the gatekeeper solution because it just eliminates so many things. It eliminates having to remember a password. It eliminates having to sign into the machine. It eliminates everything in regard to um, the inconvenience of logins, right? So Microsoft has often talked about the idea of zero trust and eliminating the login and password and things like that. Uh, gatekeeper is really the first implementation that I think is truly slick and works well um, and it just, it just hours and hours of productivity time. Another element is, again, the cool technology behind that is they don't require an actual Windows logon process, which loads up a bunch of programs and, you know, it can take a couple minutes. Um, the machine's signed in already. There's just sort of a lock screen. And so the second you walk up to it, it just opens like magic and there's no sign in time. So again, uh, those efficiencies are definitely out there. I think MFA is a huge inconvenience in manufacturing and high high productivity or high headcount type production floors uh, that just can really eat time up alive. Um, there's numerous other things out there that, that I think are, are major inconveniences, but um, I think for the most part, you know, IT directors and, and executives can find ways to get around it and make it smoother. But I think the multi-factor authentication is one that, uh, you know, we still see being fought over. Great question. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. If you go and you look at our at our compliance controls, a lot of them specify multi-factor authentication for safety purposes. So as you mentioned, you're not a quality assurance or control expert in as far as manufacturing, but you are a compliance expert and 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 these kind of companies and businesses in the defense sector need to be compliant. 
in order to function. So in a perfect world, compliance regulations and quality standards of defense manufacturers would go hand in hand, but the world's not perfect. As we've already touched on, there will be challenges. What are some of the key elements of an effective compliance management system that supports both quality assurance and regulatory requirements in defense manufacturing? Yeah, great question, right? And I think, um, boy, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here in this question because um, the first thing to understand is that compliance and information security are not quality. However, a lot of people in manufacturing, when they think of compliance, they think of compliance for the sake of quality. So the good news is, is that there's not a lot of overlap. The bad news is um, it's kind of one of those things like if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. Eh, not quite. Um, so essentially what you have, and I'll give you a great example. So a lot of companies have ISO 9001 or AS9100, uh, those kinds of quality standards. And that's what they are. They're quality and process standards. NIST SP800171 and, and the DFARS requirements are not quality standards. They are security standards. Uh, or in the case of DFARS, um, there's three major requirements. There's the cyber incident reporting. There's the requirement on how you secure your system, obviously with NIST SP800171. And there's a requirement to contractually flow down the requirements to keep them going whenever CUI is involved. So you have those three elements. Um, and none of that has anything to do with quality. So the first thing I would actually say is, um, if you have a quality manager who is in charge of compliance, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I am going to sort of inform you guys, uh, the audience, this is not a quality issue. This is, uh, this is an information security issue. And I think it's very important to understand because it is so often lumped along with a compliance officer's duties if you're a bigger company or uh, you know, just generally someone's duties uh, you know, who has something to do with quality manufacturing. Who's the real person that should take this on? Well, you know, it's, that's an interesting question too. We offer a virtual compliance officer service because the answer is in a smaller business like 500 to 1,000 or in a really, really large business where you may have multiple legal entities involved in producing what it takes to create the end product, you just do need a point person to coordinate information security like this. So. Um, Again, you know, I'm thinking of certain scenarios out there where you've got maybe, you know, let's say a local entity that performs the work and then maybe a, a more national or international entity that does the IT management and, uh, you know, things like that. You know, those kinds of organizations need someone who is purpose-built to manage compliance. Um, again, our virtual compliance officer program is something that includes everything from coordinating the people to holding the meetings to putting on the training to you know what, you name it, right? Like it's it's really cool. It has all of those features. Um, what do we include in the virtual compliance officer training? Um, you know, I'll tell you, we include, uh, honestly, we're usually including about up to 20 hours a month worth of work. Um, it is training the existing staff. It is getting, uh, you know, the executives to understand what is it that they uh, need to know as executives to talk intelligently about this, looking at the sales staff's are the sales staffs doing what they're supposed to be doing in terms of knowledgeable about compliance so they can put the best foot forward? Talking with quality managers about what they need to do in their production environments to sort of fight this mantra of security is bad and causes all kinds of headaches. Um, you know, just every aspect of, of how the company operates touches information security where quality is typically reserved for the production process as well. So I think that's another thing is it's just 
this is bigger than the quality process and quality is like most of what manufacturers are concerned with. So um, I think that's another, another very interesting sort of pivot point um, to understand is, you know, this is not one person's job. It's the entire organization's job. And so it really should actually fall, you know, mostly on some sort of an executive if there is not a compliance officer there to help. Um, so a lot of it does overlap, but it doesn't intersect, if that makes sense. In other words, it, it, you right. know, compliance has to overlay the process, but compliance and quality are not the same. The common misconception. Yeah, great question. Right, right. Absolutely. So, you know, you know, every week we do one of these. Sometimes these topics can get a little dry. So we like to have a little bit of fun at the end of the podcast. It's become one of our favorite parts of doing this. And you may have to pivot this silly question the same way you pivoted the last question um, and, and with the idea that compliance and quality are not the same thing this this question kind of assumes the same thing that the last one did so so do some pivot work if if, if, if you will <laughs> right. but the, but but the question is if you could invent a robot side a robot sidekick for compliance officers what special abilities would it have to tackle quality assurance challenges Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, if we were to take a quality assurance, excuse me, a, a compliance robot, the compliance robot would be exceptionally good at, uh, at task management. You know, there are so many tasks that have to be done every quarter for DFARS and miscompliance. If you're a larger company, if you're a small co smaller company, a lot of those tasks wind up being done annually. Um, but just to make sure that there is a consistent set of reminders on the activities like risk management, like training, like you know, making sure that the security controls are still implemented. All of those things are reminded tasks that need someone to hold the organization accountable. Um, you know, I don't want to call it babysitting because that's not really what it is. It, it's you know, but that's what an executive does, right? Is they make sure that their downline staff are doing what they need to be doing and doing it on time and doing it with a high quality. That's what we do in virtual compliance officer service. So it's whether it's us doing it or, or, or the client doing it, you know, there are numerous tasks that have to be done. Uh, I'll give you a great example. You know, we had to have a little quick interruption in the podcast and, you know, we have a client that won a really nice new big shiny contract. And when they won that nice new big shiny contract, you know, they got 20, 30 people that have to get trained. And somebody's got to go do that. Whose job is that? Is that HR? Is that IT? Is that, you know, what is that? And that's where a compliance robot could really, really come in handy. So, uh, so uh, again, you know, as far as the quality goes, un unlimited jobs you could automate in quality with a robot. But uh, when it comes to compliance, I think the big reminder is to be that guy or that girl who is constantly on people to make sure that all of those little tasks are checked off and that you are able to give an assessor proof that you have the policies and that they're updated and that they are in place and that they are being executed the way they're supposed to be. So yeah, compliance robot, maybe that's our next product. Maybe we need to develop that in-house. If it's our next product, might I suggest that the robot be named Complio. Complio the compliance robot. I think that's a great name. I think I think I think we might have a little bit of a pre-terminator situation, but that's fine. If anybody's seen the movie iRobot, it's a great movie. Things will be fine. Anyway. <laughs> Either that or we would name the compliance robot C3PAO. But uh, oh, oh Lord. 
Oh, on that note, uh, we're going to end it right there before we get more out of hand here. Uh, that wraps up another insightful episode of Mission Compliance. We hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to extend our heartfelt appreciation to Mike for joining us again, giving us great um, insight into the topic and coming up with the name C C3PAO. Thanks, Mike. Hey, always a pleasure, Omen, and thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> the conversation doesn't end here. We encourage you to explore, continue exploring these topics and, and connect with us on our social media channels. Share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage with fellow listeners by using the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. If you haven't already, what should they do, Mike? Like, subscribe, and make sure you catch that next episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to be the first to know, like Mike said, when first when new episodes are released. And we truly appreciate it if you could rate and review the show. Your feedback helps helps to continue bring us helps us to continue to bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Join us again on the next episode of Mission Compliance as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then. Take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.